Thank you so much, Mike. I love Mike's heart when he reads and when he prays. I like the, uh, that we're brand spanking new. I like that, Mike, when you said that. And that's who we are in Christ, and that's what we're going to look at today. Last week, Jason, uh, he preached on putting off the old self and putting on the new. We're going to take a look at the new self today, which is actually part two. Uh, last week was uh, part one. And, you know, putting on the old self and putting on the new self, it's a picture of slipping on, uh, slipping off clothes and putting on new clothes. And I was preparing for this lesson. I thought about this young man that I had years ago when I was teaching school. And uh, he would uh, come to school every day in the same clothes. And he had uh, a shirt. It was always holy. His pants were, had holes in them. And he had... Uh, a jacket and I'm telling you we were always sewing that jacket because his arms were about to fall off I mean just old clothes his shoes were so bad that he, he couldn't even put shoelaces in them because of the fact that uh, they were just so old they just wouldn't hold them and that's what uh, we're looking at today Paul is telling the church at Ephesus to take off these old clothes to take off this old self which is corruptible. It's the old life. It's the manner of the old life, which we'll take a look at in just a moment. And to put on this new self, like this young man who we bought new clothes for. What we did as teachers, we, we bought him some new clothes and, and uh, gave them to him at Christmas. And he was very excited about that. His grandmother was very excited. And he goes home. Well, I'm back at school after two weeks vacation. And I go in the cafeteria, and lo and behold, this young man's there. And guess what he had on? He had on the old clothes. And I said, did you get a chance to wear some of these new clothes? Yeah, I wore them once. So Paul said, we're not going to just put our new self on one time. This is forever. This is who we are in Christ. And last week when Jason was uh, preaching, he was preaching on Ephesians 4, 17 through 25, which is Paul's exhortation to put off the old and put on the new. So putting off the old self is agreeing with God. This is what Jason told us last week. It's, it's, it's agreeing with God about our sin and our suffering. And he used the example of Adam. If you remember when Adam sinned and he was hiding in the garden and God said to him, Adam, where are you? And we know who God is if we do. God knew where Adam was. But actually what he was doing is he was inviting him into confession. So that's what putting off the old self is. It's a time of confession with God about our sin and our suffering. And coming to him in repentance and putting on this new self in Christ. I just want to make sure that we understand today when Paul writes in, in verses 24 through 32 that we're not talking about working for our salvation. We cannot earn our salvation. I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've ever tried it. I can remember years ago when my kids were this, this little. I'm not going to tell you how they are now, but they're not that little anymore. I told them, I said, you can say anything that I say. I was a brand new Christian. That lasted for less than 24 hours, I can tell you that. Because some of the things they were saying were not too good, and it was coming from me. So we have this new self in Christ. This letter to the Ephesians is a call 
to living out who we are in Christ. He's, he's talking to the body of Christ at Ephesus. He's talking to the body of solid rock is who he's talking to. So let's go to Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Just go back for just a moment. Paul writes this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Paul is urging us to live a life that maintains this unity that we've already been given, this unity that we've given, been given by the Spirit of God. So as the body of Christ here at Solid Rock, as he writes to Ephesus, he says, let's maintain it by living our lives in Christ. So let's just keep moving here. Paul's going to actually later on give us a list. I like lists. I like putting stuff on my phone and it pops up every day and I can, I can uh, do it or not do it. Most of the times I don't do it, but at least I have a list. So Paul's giving us a list of how to live. So in Ephesians 4, 20, uh, chapter 4, verse 20 through 24, Paul writes this. But that's not the way that you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is not corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul says to the church with great emotion, this is not how you learned Christ. This old self, that old self has passed away. You have a brand new self in Christ. So we think differently. We live differently. We have a brand new heart. And that's what Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus about. This word corrupt in verse 22, it tends, lends itself to moral decay that has an end. When we see things decay, they come to an end. There's no doubt about that. I was mowing the other day, and I kept smelling a skunk. And it was during the daytime, and I was getting a little nervous because I didn't want to be running away from a skunk that was chasing me. So I was a little nervous about it, but I kept smelling it. When I got to the back of the property, I noticed that there was a dead skunk. And let me tell you, I was lucky that I had a mask on because the stench was terrible. It smelled really bad. But this skunk was decaying, and it stunk, and it looked bad. And I really didn't want to, I didn't want to be around it, so I took my mower, and I, I left as quickly as I could because it was so bad. And that's what Paul's saying about our former manner of life. It's corrupt. It has all these deceitful desires. So our new self, though, is created, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 21 says to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And in verse 21, he says, assuming that you have heard about him, were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus. Jesus is the truth. So righteousness and holiness is based on the truth of Jesus. God is righteous. 
He exists in a state of moral perfection. And it's hard for me to wrap my, my mind around that. But I accept that by faith. If we're in Christ, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Righteousness is a state that is acceptable to God. In our old self, and in, in ourself, there's no righteousness at all. The scripture tells us that. When we went back to uh, Genesis 1, and 27 last week, Jason was talking about the fact that we are created in God's image. And he says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. We are image bearers. We are to represent God in Christ with our lives. And that's what Paul is going to tell us. He said, this is our conduct now that we're in Christ. This is what we look like now that we're in Christ. But we know man sinned and came the fall, and this image of God was broken. But Paul writes this in Romans 5.10. We have been reconciled to God by the de death of his son. So our relationship was broken when we sinned, and now it's been put back together by the death of his son. So in Christ, we are certainly righteous. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul writes this, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And I love that verse. It kind of lets me off the hook. Because in Christ, I am the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God if you're in Christ. Outside of Him, there is absolutely no righteousness, the Scripture tells us. And now, because of what Christ has done, we are acceptable to God. And I love that so much. We're a brand new human being in Christ. We have this new self, this new creation. Paul also writes in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What's the new? It's Christ in us. And I think about uh, uh, John the Baptist when he was baptized in the river. And he sees Jesus and he shouts out, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And what uh, John is trying to do, he's trying to get our attention. You know, and, and Paul's trying to get our attention. Behold, you're brand, <laughs> I'll use Black's term, we're brand spanking new. I love that. In Christ, we're acceptable to God. So this verb, passed away, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, indicates that there's a definitive, change in us that took place at regeneration this is the same verb that Peter uses I'm always kidding that Peter's always stealing Paul's stuff he even mentions Paul in one of his writings so it's talking about how some of the things of Paul are hard but Peter writes this in 2 Peter 3.10 he says this but the day of the Lord will come like a thief and then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. 
When we come to Christ, there is a roar in heaven. Jesus himself affirmed this in the book of Luke when he said that when that one, remember the, the, if you remember the story of the 99 and that one was found, he said there'll be rejoicing in heaven. When we come to Christ, there's a roar in heaven like the new heaven and the new earth. There is a catastrophic, sudden, large-scale alteration in us. We're a new creation. And that's what Paul wants to tell us. He's telling us this. Put on this new self, which is a brand new creation. And he's going to tell us about some of the old and some of the new that we should be living, that we should be practicing. We are changed. Our minds are changed. Our hearts are changed. The way that we live is changed because we're in Christ. So as... uh, just thinking today, maybe you're here today and you're thinking, I ha- I'm not changed. My mind's not changed. My heart's not changed. There's nothing about me that has changed. Paul would write in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, he writes this. And remember, he, he's writing to the church at Ephesus. He's writing to the church at Solid Rock. And he says this, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. If you're in Christ, Paul writes, you're different from the world, different from the old manner of life. You don't have that old self anymore. You're motivated by Christ and not the world. That's what Paul's telling the church at Ephesus. You're a brand new creation. Let's put on the new self in Christ. If you fail to meet that test, if Jesus is not in you, let me say this to you, that after, at the end of the service today, there'll be prayer partners on both sides of the auditorium. There will be elders out in the commons area. We have uh, lanyard zone. And there will be a multitude of solid rockers out there who would love to tell you about the, the love that God has for you. So let us be in Christ and put on this new self. Putting on the old and putting on the new in Christ. And that's what we're going to look at now in verses 25 through 32. Let's go to Ephesians 4.25. And Paul's going to talk about falsehoods and about lying. Ephesians 4.25 says this, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. And we touched on this a little bit last week, about lying and about falsehoods. Paul writes in Colossians 3.9, he writes this, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self. The new self, in the new self, is walking in truth. The new self is living in Christ. You know, in the world we live in today, and I know Paul was writing this because everybody was lying to everybody. Everybody's lying to everybody. Turn on the news. Turn on, just read the news. Everybody, because lying in the world, we think there's a gain. But that's not what Christ says. 
He says, there's no gain in that. You are members one of another. Tell the truth to one another. Every once in a while, I watch a show, I can't remember the name of it, but it's about the Texas game wardens. And they go around and they check your fishing license and they check your hunting license and they're checking for breaking the law. And I've noticed one thing about when I watch that show. When they approach someone about a law, everybody lies. Every one of them. Yeah, I got a license, but it's at the house. Then they're not thinking, well, they can look them up right there on the phone. You know, but everybody's lying to our game wardens. And everybody's lying in the world today. Paul says we're no longer in the world. We're a brand new self. We're not living as the world lives. Can you imagine in Ephesus, this, this church, and everything that was going on there? Paul spent three and a half years with them. Can you imagine how tough it was to be a Christian? You know, they're going back to that old self. But the persecution also. So we have to live in this new self to be different from the world. Well, let's keep moving because Paul's got a list for us. In Ephesians 4, 26 through 27, Paul says this, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity for the devil. Now this anger, he, Paul is not addressing a debate that's been around probably for thousands of years, it's still today, that when we become a Christian, anger disappears. Well, in my personal experience, I can tell you it does not disappear. <laughs> at all and there was also the debate that only anger you can only have anger that's justified you know of course we see Jesus in that Jesus got angry in the temple with the money changers certainly Jesus got angry with the religious leaders when they questioned them about him about healing a man on the Sabbath they're talking to the Lord of the Sabbath but he says be angry or in your anger don't sin. So anger is an emotion. It's a call to action. And this call to action can either be healthy or it can be unhealthy. The healthy would be in the new self. The unhealthy would be in the old self. So we're going to be angry. Our kids are going to be angry. We need to teach them how to respond to anger. We need to allow the Holy Spirit in our lives to teach us how to respond in a healthy manner in the new self to anger. Because we're going to be angry. We know that. But he wasn't going there about, oh, this is, this is how you should be angry. That's how you should be angry. He says, don't sin in your anger. Because when we let it fester, when the sun goes down on our anger, it festers. And then the enemy has a foothold. And then he tempts us and we sin. So Paul's saying here is just to learn how to manage our anger in this new person who is Christ Jesus. Let's give an example. Maybe someone has lied to you. That's what Paul was just talking about. If you lie to me, I'm probably going to get angry. And my old self would want to have division and would want to get you in some form or fashion. But the new self in me would say, hey, let's go to the scripture. You've sinned against me. What does the Lord tell me to do? Well, the Lord's tell me, going to tell me to go to you, not let that anger fester. So he says, go to your brother. In Matthew 18 and 15, he says this. If your brother sins against you, 
Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. I know people who have let anger fester and it's been in their, their lives for 40 years. They haven't managed that anger in a healthy way. They just let it go. And it's eaten them up. But that's not the new self. The new self, let's go to a brother. Let's go to a sister. And let's talk about this. And God certainly would have us do that. The new self is all about restoration. The old self is about division. So we want to put on this new self, and that's what Paul says, take off the old and put on the new. Who's the new? It's Christ Jesus our Lord. So let's keep moving here. Next he's going to talk about being a thief. Certainly none of us have ever been a thief, right? The next practice of our faith Paul addresses in Ephesians 4, chapter 4, verse 28. He says, let the thief no longer steal but rather let him labor doing honest work with his hand so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. That seems to be a reference to uh, stealing from employers back then. Just like today's time, sometimes we have a lot of work, sometimes a little less work, sometimes no work at all. And he said they would steal from their employers. And he said, stop stealing those hands that you're stealing with Use them for honest work. But not only that, you know, in the, he, he uses some of the Ten Commandments, of course. And we know that the, ten, the, the law has not gone away. It's just been fulfilled. It's been fulfilled in Christ. So he says, don't steal. Work with your hands so that you can help others. Isn't that a new teaching? Lots of times we work. Why? So we can hoard up everything for ourselves. And we become so selfish that we're, we have nothing to help others. Here at Solid Rock, when you give to the Lord, part of your money goes to our care team. And the care team takes that money and helps people in need. Maybe it's for rent. Maybe it's for clothes. Maybe it's for food. Maybe it's for medications that you cannot afford. But your giving to the Lord helps those who are in need here at Solid Rock. And I know people at Solid Rock, many of them, who not only give to the Lord here, but they set aside their, some of their own money. And they save it for one reason, and that's to help those in need. And I thought, wow, that is, that's really good. That's fulfilling that command, without a doubt. So, Paul writes, he keeps writing here. I want to I tell you a story that happened to me when I was 10 or 11 years old that has to do with stealing. And I was stealing silver dollars from my father. And uh, he had them in a jar, it was like, it was like a uh, olive jar, and a silver dollar would fit right in there. And I happened to find the, those uh, silver dollars one day. And you know how kids are, we're always uh, looking for something in our homes, maybe something we've never seen before. I saw those silver dollars, and I thought, I'll just take one. So I took it and went and bought some candy. But you know, I had to hide that candy because once I, you steal something, then you gotta hide it. Because my dad would know if I had candy, why, where did I get money to have candy? We had no money. Well, that became a habit. Every week I'd take a silver dollar. Next thing I know, the jar's half full and nothing else is going in. Well, a 
Well, of course, my father, he knew about this, and he came to me. And let me tell you, I was shaken because I got caught. And there was a lot of shame, and there was a lot of guilt that came with that. And my dad just began to talk to me about how he was saving this money to buy us clothes for school. Because we, we were one of those families who were always in need. And I thought, boy, this is, you know, and I'm thinking back when I was 10 or 11, which is hard, I'm thinking, boy, I really messed up. But this is what my dad said to me. He said, I'm going to take you down to your grandparents, and I'm going to leave you. And I'm going to let you pick pecans until you get 100 pounds. And once you get that 100 pounds, I'm going to come back and get you. And we're going to go sell those pecans. And you can get some money to buy yourself some clothes. Because we can't afford clothes anymore. Made me feel really good at that time. So. <laughs> but I did that. And I called my dad. He came back and got, got me. And we sold those pecans for 19 cents a pound. Got $19. Bought some brand new shoes. Brought some uh, brand new pants. And a brand new shirt. Excuse me. And that taught me so much. I've been a hard worker ever since. And it taught me not to steal. Because of all the shame and the pain that comes with that. And the fact that I'm taking something that doesn't belong to me. And it taught me even more that I could actually help someone in need, which was my family. Even though I stole from them, I was helping them because I worked honest work to help buy clothes for school that year. But I want to tell you, my dad was not perfect. Because none of us are perfect except positionally in Christ we are perfect without a doubt when God looks upon us. And, but he got it right that time. But I'm here to tell you that we have a father who gets it right every time. Our father which is in heaven. And he loves us and he cares for us and he does not abuse us. He just loves us so much. So I want you to know that he fights for us. And let me tell you, he gets everything right. Everything. So let's move on. We're going to talk, Paul's going to talk to us about corrupt talk. I told you he had a list. And that's in Ephesians 4, chapter 4, verse 29. He says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. This word corrupting that Paul uses uh, in verse 29 is like a rotten fruit from a useless tree. So I'm sitting there thinking, well, what Paul is saying is he says, uh, let no rotten fruit come out of your mouth. Let no corrupting rotten fruit come out of your mouth. Let no corrupting rotten talk come out of your mouth. But he says, only that which lifts up. And boy, that can be hard sometimes. He, remember, he's talking to the body and how we relate to each other. How we relate to our husbands and our wives and our children. Let no corrupting talk come out of our mouth. But only that which is builds up. Because when it builds up, it gives grace. Paul may be talking about here when uh, uh, the gifts that we give are given by grace. He was talking about the apostles and the teachers and the shepherds and the evangelists. And what were they doing? They were preaching the gospel. The gospel lifts us up without a doubt and gives us grace that we truly cannot understand. 
When we hear good news, there is a grace that comes with it, a grace that brings joy and pleasure, and it's just a sweetness about it. Let me give you an example. My wife and I love to watch old westerns, and we love to watch frontier-type movies. So one night we were watching Dancing with Wolves. Kevin Costner, Lieutenant Dunbar, he had gone out in the wilderness and the frontier, and uh, he had befriended the, the Lakota Sioux. And I was telling Patty while we were watching that, I said, I really like the way the, the Lakotas name each other. And I said, let's give each other Lakota Sioux names. So, and you can imagine there were some words that came from her mouth. I probably should not repeat those. But I said, humbly I said this, my name's going to be he, I love the way they would put the pronouns before the name, he who does everything. Very humbly I said that. And then, she had a few words there too, so. But anyway. I said, she said, well, what's my name? And I said, your name is she who does nothing. <laughs> so, and she had a few choice words for that, too. <laughs> but we went to bed that night. We watched the rest of the movie. At about 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, I woke up, and I was sweating. And the Lord had woke me up. The Holy Spirit had woke me up. And it was about that name I'd given my wife, this gift from God. And it was almost like he spoke audibly to me. And he said, you did not lift her up. You tore her down. And I thought back through that as I just lay in there wanting to go back to sleep. But the Lord kept dealing with me. And I did that on purpose. You know, when we attack someone, when we tear them down, it's on purpose. The Lord tells us that. So I asked God to forgive me that night. And I went back to sleep. Well, that morning I asked Patty if she would forgive me. I said, I really tore you down last night, and uh, I want you to forgive me. She said she forgave me, and I told her, I said, I've got a new name for you. And I said, your new name is She Who Loves Everyone. And that lifts her up because that's the gift that God has given her because she loves everybody. So as we speak to each other as the body of Christ, we're to build each other up, not tear each other down. And that's what Paul is telling us to do. Let's move on to Ephesians 4.30. And Paul starts 4.30 with and, so it's a continuation of this corrupt talk. That corrupt talk grieves the Holy Spirit. He says this, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption this day when Christ will be revealed. This hint certainly of uh, Paul thinking about Isaiah. You know, Paul didn't have the New Test Testament. He was writing the New Testament. But he knew Isaiah in chapter 63, verses 9 through 10. And Isaiah's writing about all the good things that God has done for the nation of Israel. And he says this, In all their affliction he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. 
therefore he turned to be their enemy. Probably might be better read that last part, is, and he was like their enemy. But God was grieved by Israel's rebellion. God is grieved by our rebellion, our sin. It grieves him, it makes him sorrowful. So I think Paul here is saying, do not grieve the one who has sealed you for the final day when Christ is revealed. Take off those old clothes, that old self, and put on the new self, which is in Christ. The Holy Spirit is our helper. Jesus said in the Gospels, he said, it's to your advantage if I leave, because then the Holy Spirit's going to come, the one who's going to help you. So he helps us in our walk as believers. He renews us daily according to the Scripture. He says, do not cause sorrow to the one who has sealed you. And we do that so much. Everything that Paul has said so far that's not in the new self, it grieves the Holy Spirit. There is no doubt. And he continues this in verses, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32. Paul writes this. And these we could have tied in with verse 26 and 27 about anger. But all of these that we're about to read grieve the Holy Spirit, make the Holy Spirit, make God sad, sorrowful. He continues this, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. This conduct in verse 31 grieves the Holy Spirit with all that Paul has written prior to this. Bitterness is a bitter hatred. And it comes from anger or it causes anger. Bitterness is a two-way street. And Paul says that's not us any longer because we're in Christ. This wrath is, a, is an anger that boils up. And the anger that he talks about here is sinful anger. Remember early he, earlier he says, be angry, but don't sin. Well, now he talks about a sinful anger, cl clamor, which is a wailing, a crying out of those in distress. It's shouting at each other. Can you imagine the body of Christ shouting at each other? And that's why Paul says, stop that, put it away. And then slander, which is evil speaking about someone it's malice. It's a vicious, vicious character. So Paul says, put these away. Certainly, this is a reference to our responsibility. He says, put on the new self. He says that many times over. We have a responsibility in Christ, but we also have a helper in the Holy Spirit. So we're double teaming because we're in Christ. We have been forgiven of our sins in Christ. We're no longer slaves to sin. We have a responsibility in Christ to put on the new self. We're no longer living in the old self. A life worthy, Ephesians 4.1, of this great calling that we have in Christ Jesus. And this tender-hearted, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, be kind to one another. It's a change of heart. And our hearts have changed because if you remember 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we're a brand new creation. So Paul, of all people, he knew forgiveness. So Patty and I were talking about this the other night. If I'm bitter with her, 
if I'm angry with her, if I'm shouting at her, there's no way I can forgive her. But Paul says, put it away and forgive each other. Paul knew forgiveness. He was on the road to Damascus, and he was on a mission to persecute and kill Christians. And then he met the one who could forgive him of all his sins. He met Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And Paul was forgiven. And he's the one writing about this now. And that in myself could just encourages me so much. Because I know what my old self was like. And I know sometimes it creeps up. But because of Jesus, I have been forgiven. And he says, because of that, forgive one another. Forgive one another. I tell you, if you don't forgive, it's, it's going to tear you up. We have to release that person that we have no forgiveness for so that we can continue our lives because it's going to eat us up. And that's what Paul's talking about here. So, as Paul writes these practical commands, this list for us, again, it's not about working for our salvation. It's about who we are in Christ. We also have some practical things that we can do. And that's to let the Word of God dwell in us, is what Paul will say. And in prayer, we can pray with the Father, pray to the Father. And the Holy Spirit helps us when we don't know what to pray. And of course, the fellowship one with another. The Scripture tells us that we have fellowship with the Son. That's a vertical fellowship. The Scripture tells us, in fact, Paul writes it in uh, chapter 4. He says that uh, we are seated in the heavenlies with Christ. That's that vertical relationship, fellowship that we have with Christ. But it's also a horizontal relationship that we have one with another. And next week, Paul is going to say, be imitators of God in love. And I can't wait to hear that message next, next week. So let me just end with this. Let us walk not as the Gentiles, the old self, those without God, but let us walk in this new self in Christ because he's helping us along the way. Are we going to struggle? Absolutely, at times. But we have his word, we have his spirit, and we have each other. And Christ has given us all those things. So I just want to end with three questions that you can use for discussion or just for reflection. And the first one says this, taking off the old self and putting on the new self is like a picture of getting dressed. Which set of clothes do you put on each day? The old self or the new self? And the second one says, in what ways are you helping to maintain the unity of Christ with your conduct? And number three says, in what areas of your life do you need help from the Holy Spirit to take responsibility for your conduct? Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful for all that you have done in our life for this new creation this catastrophic change that you have given us in our lives, how you have changed us to a brand new person, a brand spanking new person. Father, we're thankful for that. Yes, we still struggle with sin, but Father, we're just so thankful for the help that you give us through your word, through the power of your Holy Spirit, for the fellowship that we have believers and the fact that we can commune with you in prayer. Father, you are above all things. 
and you have chosen to have this fellowship with us. Thank you, dear Jesus, for that. Thank you for all that you do. We love you, and we just want to honor you by putting on this new self and living in a manner that is worthy of this great calling that you have given us. And certainly, Father, we just pray everything in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.